Hello, everyone. You're listening to Moving Up the Ladder on localjobnetwork.com radio. I'm Tim Muma, and with this podcast, we're bringing you experienced professionals to aid in the success of your career or business. If we are to succeed, however, what does that mean about our failures? Well, our guest today thinks a different approach may be needed in today's workplace. Executive coach Rich Maxwell brings with him 20 years of knowledge and practice at the administrative and executive levels, and as the founder of Maxwell & Associates Executive Coaching, where he's been the head man since 1986, he's on the phone with us to talk about failure and its role in moving us forward. How are you doing today, Rich? Good, Tim. How are you? I'm doing fine. Thank you very much. Uh, It's a topic that I think many people touch upon, but I might be afraid to dive into a little bit. But I want to get your perspective, first of all. When you hear the term failure, how do you view that? What's your take? Well, you know, it's from a personal standpoint, none of us likes to fail. Right. I think, you know, it's, none of us sets out to, to fail at something. And so there's a natural negative connotation to it. But when I was going through my coach training, you know, I, they taught me this phrase that really bugged me, to be quite <laughs> honest. And it was, the present is perfect. And I thought, this is a bunch of new age hooey, you know, <laughs> it was like, come on, I can think of plenty of times the president wasn't perfect. I mean, you know, I was a hospital executive for 20 years. I got fired once. I believe me, life was not perfect the day I got fired. Sure. But what I came to realize, and it actually ended up in a conversation with my own coach at the time. And I said, I asked him, I said, do you get this president's perfect stuff? And he said, he laughed. And he said, so you're having a little problem with that, are you? And I said, well, Yeah. <laughs> And he said, Rich, here's, here's what I've gotten out of it. And I've thought about it a lot, too. The present is perfect because you either get what you want or you learn a lesson. Hmm. And don't worry if you don't learn the lesson because life will keep teaching it to you until you get it. All right. I like that. You know? Yeah. Yeah. And it, was, it really it reframes the whole notion of failure because if you look at failure and, you know, for, either from a personal basis or an organizational basis and say, shame on you, you know, whether it's shame on me because I failed or Mm -hmm. shame on you because you're one of my employees and you failed, we create an organizational culture of fear and one where we tread lightly and we're scared for our jobs. But if we look at it as the present is perfect and say, look, you know, okay, you failed, you know, let's, let's stop and take a look at this and let's walk through a simple analysis. First, what worked well here? Mm Mm-hmm. You know, what, what did you do well? You know, let's start out with something positive. Because even when you fail, you did some things well. So remember that, that you did those things well. Then what didn't go well? And be honest. I mean, it's, you know, when you fail, okay, you fail. But why? You've got to get in there and figure out what's the source issue. What, what, what is the reason why you happen to fail? What didn't go well? Right. Third question then is, well, okay, well, what do you learn from this? Or... Alternatively, what are you going to do about it? Now, how are we going to fix this and move forward? And if you've got a boss who is creating that kind of environment that says, gee, what did you do right? What didn't you do right? What can you do to fix it? Okay, well, let's go put that plan into action and, and get back in there. Mm-hmm. You know, what a much better work culture and work environment to be in. And I think this is where we find a lot of employees feeling very engaged with their work because they've got a boss who does that. Sure. Contrast that with bosses who don't do that, who scold you and, you know, talk you down for not having done something correctly. And, you know, people start feeling disengaged from work. So, 
you know, I love the notion of the president's perfect, but I, I must admit it took me a while to get it. <laughs> well, I think, yeah, I think when you just leave it on its own like that, I'm sure a lot of people have the same thoughts you do, but you obviously broke it down and gave us the idea so that the whole picture, even if you do fail or something isn't perfect, uh, you are learning from it. Now, you touched on it there as far as in the culture we have now with the workplace and managers and employers and all of that. Do you see that as being an issue that's going on in the majority of workplaces? Do you think that's contributing to a lot of you read all the all the articles, all the polls say, you know, so many people are dissatisfied and not happy with oh, their yeah. work? I mean, is that where this is coming from a little bit in your view? I think a lot uh, a significant part of it is. Um you mentioned the polls. I mean, the one that jumps to mind is the recent Gallup poll that showed that 40% of the workforce in the United States is disengaged from their work, and 30% are actively disengaged. I mean, and by that, it's like, you know, these are the people who are going to sabotage things, who just, they're passive-aggressive, they're victims, they never, you know, they, they all they do is complain. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're actively disengaged from work. That's 70% of the workforce. I mean, that's frightening. And I think a lot of it has to do is because we don't create this environment where people feel valued. Hmm. You, know, you go back in Gallup's work, uh, back to, I think it was the late 1990s, and um, Kurt Kaufman and um, oh, the other author's name is, is slipping my mind, but they wrote a book called First Break All the Rules. Okay. And they had in it the Q12, and these were 12 questions that their research, and they, of course, Gallup has an enormous database right. of employee engagement scores, and they had done a lot of very good statistical analysis to find out what is it that contributes so highly to employee satisfaction? What they found was that there were 12 items that contributed, they were highly correlated with employee satisfaction in the job, now employee engagement. And Gallup makes a whole business out of this now doing employee engagement surveys. But in all 12 questions, where do you think money ranks? I'd say lower than most people would anticipate. Not even on the list. Really? Wow. Not even mentioned. So there are, they kind of break it down into 12 questions. And I'll run through these real quickly for your audience. First are their, their basic needs that every employee's got in every job. Do I know what's expected of me? And that's the boss's responsibility to be clear about what it is. You know, and for all of you who are listening, be honest with yourself. Mm-hmm. When was the last time you read your job description? <laughs> you know? And... So making clear expectations is almost a daily activity between boss and staff. Second one is, and again, still a basic need, do I have the materials and equipment I need to do my job right? And, you know, if if I don't have the right tools, I can't do the right job. Once those basic needs are filled, then we go to fulfilling individual needs. And these are the next four questions in Q12. At work, I have the opportunity to do what I do best every day. Mm -hmm. You know, is this a good fit? You know, don't put a raging introvert into a job that requires them to do customer service and be customer facing all the time. (laughs) They're going to be very unhappy and they're probably not going to perform well. Next question. In the last seven days, have I received recognition or praise for doing good work? Bosses hear this clearly. People need to be appreciated. And it doesn't take but a few moments to say, hey, Tim, you did a great job today with that interview. Mm -hmm. You really did a nice job. Next question, my supervisor or someone at work seems to care about me as a person. I mean, this is about the relationship that people have with one another. Uh, I was just listening to a TED Talk earlier this morning by Simon Sinek, 
terrific speaker on leadership, and he was talking about a, an army captain in Afghanistan, and he, his troops were caught on three sides by the enemy. And he got the Medal of Honor for going back and forth to retrieve his injured and dead soldiers. Hmm. And in, in one case, he was carrying a sergeant back to the medevac helicopter, and the, the medic on the helicopter had on a video camera on his helmet and recorded the whole thing. The captain comes in, puts his sergeant down, kisses him on the forehead, and then goes back to get somebody else. You don't think those guys loved each other? Yeah. No. That's, that's an environment that was created because they were in that together. Somebody cared about me as a person. Mm -hmm. Last is there someone at work who encourages my development? You know, this is, you know, the earlier questions I gave you, what worked, what didn't work, what can you do better? That's development. Help people develop. It'll get them engaged. Once we, you've got these kinds of areas covered and working well and people are stable in these areas, you start moving into teamwork. So let's face it, if, if, I'm, not, if I'm not working well, if, if I'm not stable in knowing that I've got the right tools and equipment, I know what my job is, you know, et cetera, et cetera, it's going to be hard for me to do teamwork right. because I'm still concerned about doing my own job. So, but at the teamwork level, it's at work, my opinion seems to count. Other people listen to me. The mission or purpose of my company makes me feel my job is important. This is one of the most underrated and underused tools of leadership is what's the noble cause, the mission of the company. And leaders have to talk about this with employees because mm -hmm. if they do, people will remember that. If they don't, why would anybody expect the employees to know it? Mm -hmm. you know, if you go into a Ritz-Carlton hotel and if you were able to go back and watch a shift change, pick a department, doesn't matter. Housekeeping, food and beverage, doesn't matter. They have a, a huddle before the shift change. They give out any announcements. And anybody can, can ask any questions, ask any clarifications they need for the day. But the last thing the supervisor always says is, remember, we are ladies and gentlemen serving ladies and gentlemen. A very simple reminder of what they do every minute of every day in those hotels. And that's why it's such a, a delight to stay at a Ritz-Carlton. Are my associates and fellow employees committed to doing high-quality work? That's teamwork. You know, we're working together to get this done. And do I have a best friend at work? You know, when I first read that, I thought, a best friend? Really? Yeah, that, that's interesting. <laughs> yeah, it is. And, and, but what it really refers to is, are there people I can talk to and honestly and openly talk about what concerns me okay. as well as what I'm delighted about? Because mm -hmm. if you think about the opposite of that, you'd feel very alienated from the people around you. Sure. Once you get past those things, we've got only two more questions left, and this is where we really get into growth and real engagement in the company. In the last six months, has somebody talked to me about my progress? Every six months, not the annual review. This is something that's ongoing. Right. And let's face it, we don't do a good job of annual reviews in many companies. You know, it's we're checking off boxes on a pre-printed form from human resources but there's no real discussion between the two of us about how you're doing and how you think you're doing, how I think you're doing. And it's kind of like what I said earlier, what's working well, what's worked well the last six months, what hasn't worked well, what can we do to make you better? You know? And then the last one is, in the last year, have I had the opportunity to, to work, to learn, and grow? That creates a safe environment. Right. And it's safe to fail in that environment because people are going to be there to pick you up. Whether it's your teammate or your boss, you're going to learn from it. 
And that's why I think a lot of, of our fear of failure and our focus on failure as managers is contributing to a 70% number that you know, Gallup reports on an unengaged workforce. So I know, I mean, obviously you ran through the, the many factors that could play a role with all this and how they could relate to failure. For those employers and managers that are listening, I, I sense in the back of their mind, they're thinking, well, where do you draw the line? We can't have everybody failing all the time and, and putting up this poor work or poor performance or poor product. Where do you try to draw that line of accepting some quote unquote failure, but being able to also expect really high quality work? Well, and you use the right words there. First is being clear about expectations. I'm not saying we should accept failure. I'm not talking about that at all. We need to hold people accountable. Mm -hmm. When they fail, we say to them, okay, what worked well, what didn't work well? I mean, when I ask you what didn't work well, I'm holding you accountable. And what can we do to fix it? Do you have the right tools? Was I unclear in my expectations? You know, do you know how to do the job? Have you got the competence to do the job? I mean, let's face it. There are plenty of times when employers hire people in tough labor markets and we hire a warm body because they said yes when we offered them a job. Sure. And they're very bad fits for the job. You know, either they're, they don't have all the competency we need or they don't fit the team very well. You know, let me reverse the example I gave earlier. Don't take a, a person who is gregarious and outgoing and a, you know, a real people person and hire them to do general ledger entries in accounting where they're alone all day typing on a computer. Right. They'll go nuts. <laughs> of course they're going to go, they're going to perform badly. So I, you know, I think the first question is what didn't go well is, well, maybe we've got you in the wrong job. Mm -hmm. Let's match your strengths with what the company needs. No, but if you've got a pretty good match, you've got competency, and they're just, for whatever reason, they're not getting the job done, you've come back to them and you've given them additional training and it's just not happening, then you know, that's when you start going into you know, a more, much more traditional approach of saying, okay, look, you know, it's, we've worked hard, we've given you the opportunity, we've given you additional training, but I've got to give you an oral warning and tell you right now, if your performance doesn't improve, you know, we're going to have to do something more and you move on through progressive discipline. Right. If you've got a bad apple, get them out because they're going to poison the well for everyone else who's doing a good job. And the irony is that if you talk to particularly high performing employees, when the boss finally gets rid of a low performing employee, mm -hmm. the most common response is it's about time. <laughs> they knew all along. Right, right. But the boss was, you know, hanging on for too long. Sure. So, yes, I, you know, there's no, I can't quantify and say, well, at this point you switch over to progressive discipline. It's a judgment call that the leaders have to make. Sure. But if you're, if you're helping people overcome their failures, learn from them, and you're seeing that they're not repeating the same mistakes, you're making progress. That's somebody you can invest in. They keep making the same mistakes, it's time to let them go. Right, right. Let's give our listeners, if you can, then maybe a step in the right direction, because as you as you mentioned, sort of the culture we've been at or been moving towards is this idea of disciplining failure whenever it happens or if you make a mistake, that sort of thing. Where can an employer, where can a manager start? What's a good first step to opening up that line of communication, really, and allowing, again, a little bit of failure in this idea of moving forward? Where do you really start with that? I think it starts with really looking at yourself as a manager. 
we've got traditional hierarchical arrangements in most organizations. I mean, all we got to do is look at the org chart, and there it is, nice hierarchy. People need to be held accountable. I'm a great believer in accountability, but how we hold people accountable is how we make the difference. You know, I think they could, you know, a little research on, on the web will get you to the Q12, or you can go out and purchase the book, First Break All the Rules. It's all in there. And look at those 12 items and ask yourself, how are you doing and how are your people doing? One of the simplest things we can do, you know, I'd start with the first two basic ones. Have I been explicit with my employees about what I expect from them? You'd be amazed how many of of my clients, management clients, when I ask them, well, have you told them specifically what you want? Either won't answer the question or can't answer the question. Right. So they haven't been explicit. And then making sure they've got the tools and equipment they need to do the job. But, you know, there's probably the easiest next step is to begin showing appreciation for people. We go around as managers looking for people doing things wrong. Hmm. Let's go out and look for people doing things right and then tell them that. Another great book that people can pick up, authors are Chapman and White, called The Five Languages of Appreciation in the Workplace. And it gives you a very simple model for how different ways of expressing appreciation to people. And it's amazing how much that pays off. We get a pay raise and we feel good about it for about two weeks. <laughs> you know, once we get past the first pay period and get our, our pay increase, and we see that that 3% pay, pay raise, after you take out all the taxes and everything else, isn't all that much more money. You know, it's not really a motivator. Mm-hmm. It can be a great dismotivator if we're grossly underpaid. But for most cases, money's not going to be a major motivator. But when my boss turns around and says, Rich, you did a great job with that. Boy, I tell you what, that feels great. And that motivates me to want to do better. So I think there's some very simple things that we can start with. And that's one of them is expressing appreciation. Well, Rich, we, we do appreciate the uh, the insight you've given us, sort of the the knowledge, really, and some of the, the facts that you broke down there. We only have about 30 seconds. How can you wrap this up in a nice, neat ball of the importance of failure, how it helps, or, or really what people should be maybe looking at when you talk about failure? How can you sum it up for us? You know, failure is an opportunity to learn. And if we reframe it that way and turn it into a learning opportunity, we're going to save more employees in the sense of not firing them and not getting rid of them and helping them develop and grow into contributing productive members of our teams. That would be it. All right, then. On that note, we will close out another episode of Moving Up the Ladder. Once again, our expert guest has been Rich Maxwell, an executive coach and founder of Maxwell & Associates Executive Coaching, which you can find online at maxwellcoaching.com. Rich, thanks again for sharing with us all your insight. We do appreciate it as always. You're quite welcome. Thanks for having me. And if you have any thoughts on this topic or would like to suggest a subject for us to cover, just email ljnradio at localjobnetwork.com and tell us what you want to learn more about. You can also reach us via Twitter at the LJN. We'd love to hear from you there as well. Wishing you success in all your endeavors. I'm Tim Muma. Take care, everybody. <laughs>